0: Have you had the experience where someone comes to you with a problem and then you say, let's start from the beginning? Well, we have a lot of problems in this life and in this world, so why don't we start from the beginning? And what can be more of a beginning than Genesis 1? With today's book, Dr. Johnson, he will guide us through Genesis chapter 1-11 hi my name is terence and i'm your host for reading and readers a podcast where i review christian books for you today's book is from logos free book of the month for april 2021 the book we are reviewing today is a book from the commentary series transformative word the title is universal story genesis 1 to 11 by drew johnson the reverend dr johnson teaches Biblical Literature, Theology and Biblical Interpretation at the King's College in New York City He has a colourful background As it says here, before academia, he served two years active duty and five years in the reserves of the US Air Force involved in counter-narcotics operations in the Amazon Basin of Colombia from 1993 to 98. End quote None of that is related to this book, but uh, I thought his uh, counter-narcotics operations a world far away from Genesis one to eleven. Now, why does he title this book "Universal Story"? Now, I'm going to explain using his words, using his words to explain why. And it's it's a long paragraph, okay? So I will quote. Genesis 1 to 11 is outlandish in its scope. The opening chapters parade stories of humanity intertwined with the most intriguing subjects we still wrestle with today. The beginning of the cosmos, the nature of humanity, family, sex, deceit, death, murder, mass murder, ecology, agriculture, urbanization, and more. No topic seems to escape the sweeping narratives of Israel's initial history. This early history is the story of humanity, but also the story of all creatures of our God and King. It is the story of astronomers, entomologists, cartographers, historians, and social workers because it seeks to explain place history, and the lineage of every human endeavor. It is the story of stories because it is a story about how all of these things came to be the way the Hebrews knew them to be and the way we know them today. In other words, all stories about life and reality in this universe Are in some way subsumed under the early history of Israel's scripture. So you can see that he makes a very sweeping case that we need to understand Genesis one to eleven in order to understand everything else around us. And so this book is structured where we have chapter one is the introduction of which I just quoted at length. Chapter 2, you will learn why it's 1 to 11 and not 1 to 10 or 1 to 12 because of the way the book of Genesis is written. And in this same chapter 2, you will also see how what we believe and what we know of the Christian faith from the New Testament, Old Testament can all be traced to Genesis. And after that, in chapters 3 to 7, these five chapters explain Genesis 1 to 11. Now, there are 11 Genesis chapters, but he doesn't divide them equally into these five chapters, okay? So listen, there's one chapter for Genesis 1, one chapter for Genesis 2, one chapter for Genesis 3 and 4, one chapter for Genesis 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and one chapter for Genesis 10 to 11. If you're keeping track, that means the emphasis of the book is on chapters 1 and 2. And understanding chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis is foundational to understanding the remaining chapters. So after explaining on Genesis 1 to 11, Dr. Johnson then has uh, two chapters which explains what we have just learned with connection with science and ethics today. And the book wraps up with a conclusion and recommended reading. The attentive listener would have noticed that we have a missing chapter. I said in the beginning that this book is part of a series, transformative word series. And what is this series about? We don't have the typical introduction by the editor of the series or a chapter just describing what is the series about. It's not in this book. It's not in Amazon. And I could only read about this series in Logos the website. And this is what it says. God's Word is transformative. It is this conviction which gives the transformative Word series its name and its unique character. Series editor Craig G. Bartholomew has worked alongside authors from around the world to identify a key theme in each book of the Bible, and each volume provides careful biblical exegesis centered on that gripping theme. Later, he writes, "The result is an engaging, accessible thematic exploration of Scripture, poised to offer you new and refreshing insights." The transformative word volumes were designed to pair with your favorite commentary to enrich your study with a thematic as well as exegetical perspective. Now, what end quote? What all that means is that this book is not meant to replace a very rigorous, academic, technical, or full uh, commentary. Is designed to be um, read alongside. So that explains why this book is so short. <laughs> it's a commentary which is only 128 pages. You see, just like Faith Life, Logos has a free book every month. And I have committed myself to review a Faith Life book every month. But I don't dare to do that for Logos because uh, the Logos free book is. It's a thick and academic commentary. I just don't have the time and maybe even the ability to to review uh, those type of commentaries. But that's what makes April's free book different. It's only 128 pages. So I thought, why not give it a read? And I'm glad I did. Now, some of us listening may be put off by commentaries. And you say and you think that I'm not a preacher, a pastor, a scholar, a theologian. I'm not even the overachieving Bible study leader who really studies the Bible before he leads. So I don't think I want to listen. But wait, 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 wait. don't go yet. When you hear my story, you might want to hear the rest of the review. So this is how my story is. In the first two years, I wanted to understand more about the Bible. I went to the church library, I took a book. It was a commentary on Genesis. I read it and it was hard going. I understood the words, but the discussion on the Hebrew language, on other manuscripts, on other ancient Near East sources just confused me. I felt like I was in the middle of a discussion that has been ongoing for a while amongst very smart people. And I was just not one of those smart people. And because of that, I didn't touch commentaries. Some years later, I met a brother in Christ. He saw that I love reading and he asked me to read commentaries. And I said, no, 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 no. I tried and it didn't work. He said there are actually different types of commentaries. And what I read was an academic commentary. Really meant more for those who do research or scholarship rather than for the layperson. He suggested I read First Kings by Dale Ralph Davis. So I did. And I'm so happy I did. I mean, after reading um, Dale Ralph Davis' uh, First Kings, it was a funny book, insightful. It made me think, it made me understand what First Kings was about. And so I really gained from reading um, commentaries after that. So the reason why I say this is because Drew Johnson's universal story reminds me of uh, those uh, easy-to-read commentaries. It's one of the easiest commentaries to get into. Let me put it to you this way. If the book of Genesis is a national park, it is a national park that you have visited very often. Sunday school teachers around the world have guided uh, young children to color the skies as God created the heavens and the earth. And many Sunday school children sit enraptured when their teacher tells them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and Adam and Eve and the serpent. I mean, who has not heard those stories before? So you have already read those chapters. It's already a very familiar uh, stories to you, so you might ask, why read a commentary that you already are so familiar with? Well, the difference here is the tour guide. This is not your Sunday school teacher, and God bless him or her for, her, for their service to all of us. The tour guide in this book is Dr. Johnson, and uh, he leads you through those familiar points in Genesis 1-11. to and he avoids those uh, pits he, he tells us about those, those places Where you have uh, creationists and evolutionists And they have argued and so on But he doesn't make us um, stay there And instead he allows us to get a broad understanding And he moves on And then at some point, he would just stop and ask that you take a look at that tree. Again, we are in a national park, all right? So there's a tree over there. It's a tree you have walked past dozens of times. But now he points it out to you and says, Do you see? There is a bird. It's a rare bird. And its nest is there on that branch. And then you look at it and you wonder, I've walked past this tree dozens of times, but I've never noticed that amazing and beautiful bird or the nest that is on that branch. So what I'm trying to describe here is the wonderful feeling that we get, uh, this feeling of what the series editor uh, meant by new and refreshing insights. And how Dr. Johnson does this is by asking interesting questions. Let me give you an example. In chapter five, there is this section where he asks, what exactly went wrong in Eden. Was it was the thing that went wrong? Was it when the woman listened to the serpent? Or was it when she hinted at an extra command onto God's command? Was it when she lusted for the wisdom of the fruit? Was it when she took it or when she ate it? Or when the man who was standing there the whole time ate the fruit? Now, many of us, we understand the story of uh, the Eden and we understand the fallen. Uh, the fall came about because the two ate the fruit. But here he asks, what exactly went wrong? And here he makes a very interesting point. He asks us to read Genesis 3.17. And in this passage, it says that God... God said to the man, because you listen to the voice of your wife, and carries on. So he says the problem is because the man listened to the wife who listened to the voice of the serpent. So Dr. Johnson says that the problem, God's diagnosis of the problem was that the man listened to the wrong voice. So that was a perspective I've never considered before. It was not really the eating What really prompted everything according to God In scripture is the man Listen to the wrong voice Now another question That I I Never pondered before was Did the serpent lie? I always thought the answer was yes Or at least he told a half truth But here Dr. Johnson Said that the serpent said Spoke the truth So this is how he explained I quote The serpent predicted three things Number one They would not die in that day. Number two, their eyes would be open. And number three, they would be like God, knowing good and evil. End quote. Then Dr. Johnson then shows that after eating the fruit, they did not die in that day. So the serpent did speak truth. Number two, the scripture also says the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. So the serpent did not lie. Their eyes did open. And third, the third thing was they would be like God. And in Genesis 3.22, God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So, Dr. Dr. Johnson uh, proposes that uh, he writes, Everything the serpent said came to fruition, precisely as he said. What does this mean? If nothing else, we learn that just because someone has authoritative knowledge does not mean that we should listen to them. End quote. Again, this is an insight which I've never considered before. And I don't know about you, but I've always thought that being authoritative, knowing what what is really true or happening, is uh, enough for us to follow. But here we say that we can have two authoritative voices. The authoritative voice of God and the authoritative voice of Satan. Where Satan, what he says is also true. But in this case, we should not follow. I thought that was very interesting. And so every chapter has this type of insights where he uh, shows us something that um, I'm, I'm not familiar with. So under his capable hands, the, the Genesis 1-11 to 11 becomes new and refreshing. Every chapter ends with a suggested reading. So we have Bible passages to read alongside. And there are also questions. Now, if you're looking to this book as a Bible study book, so something to bring to your cell group or care group, small group, um, it can uh, can be read that way. And you have the different chapters with the uh, suggested reading and also the questions at the end. Only thing I would say is that uh, some Bible study uh, books are more directed and where you can find the answer in the Bible or in the book that you're reading. That's not true for this book. Uh, in this book, the questions are very reflective. It's very open-ended. So it's not as guided. You will not find the answers to the question in the Bible or in the book. For example, the question, one of the questions it asks over here for the chapter I just uh, um, uh, explained is, how do the stories we tell create voices we listen to? How can we learn to critique these voices with the voice of Scripture? So it's very reflective. It is uh, something that there is no firm or close answer. So, uh, and I find it very engaging. So you could have many good discussions, but I just want to tell you that you will not find the answer in the Bible or in the book. Now, after explaining Genesis 1 to 11, then he has these two chapters where he deals with uh, science and ethics today. Many will come to a commentary on Genesis to get answers to those type of questions. Young Earth, Evolution, Sexual Ethics. If you're looking for a definitive, a deep, wide study uh, to get a conclusion that you can bring to your next debate or get some points that you can bash the the other fellow with, this is not the book for you. Uh, I would say you probably want to get books written by Ken Ham or others like him, Uh, apologists who are really debating and answering these type of questions. Universal Story by Drew Johnson doesn't repeat many of the arguments for or against those topics. Instead, he he asks different questions. For example, on evolution, he says this, he writes, The term evolution has many uses and layers. By evolution, I mean the explanation of the current biological diversity based on principles of survival of the fittest scarcity of resources, and propagation. These three principles are meant to explain how humankind rose to rule the world. These same principles that became the dominant force in biology for the next 150 years bear strong resemblance to the concerns of the biblical creation stories. End quote. Now, if you don't understand all the biological stuff uh, that was mentioned before, don't worry. The point I want to make over here is that he says that The things that concern, the principles that concern biology in terms of evolution are the same or similar concerns that has been stated in the biblical creation stories. He makes a case of how survival of the fittest, scarcity of resources and propagation are mentioned and are part of the biblical creation stories. So, I read that article and I was. Um, I'm not sure whether I agree or not agree, but I thought it was very interesting. I do want to make a point here that there are some people who say that uh, every the, the science and the Bible is basically explaining the same thing in different ways. So, whatever tensions that exist, actually, all of those tensions can be explained as different ways of looking. Uh, Dr. Drew Johnson over here. Um, I think makes the correct uh, is correctly perceives it. That's not exactly true. There are some cases where it is describing the same thing, but in some cases it is really clashing. So there is going to be a worldview clash, and Doctor Johnson here makes the case that we need to have a biblical uh, understanding of of these topics. Otherwise, if we use the scientific way of uh, interpreting the 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 world, we would abandon the biblical perspective. So he does make that case very well. So he's not one of those people who say that uh, we are all uh, saying the same thing but in different ways, right. So he makes a strong case for the biblical point of view. Now, uh, just looking at book recommendations, normally when we Perhaps we look at this type of book, I would maybe suggest uh, books by Dr. Drew Johnson or maybe uh, some books on Genesis. Uh, But today I'm going to do something a bit different. I'm going to suggest that you consider getting some books from the Transformative Word Commentary Series. The reason why I say this is it's different. It's uh, what they say, the unique character. <laughs> it's easy to read. It's not like a 750-page commitment to pick up one of these books. And it's because of Johnson's book that I bought a few more on, on the series. I bought Habakkuk, Daniel, and uh, Commentary on Hebrews. And it's because it's April. So uh, let me explain, okay? Now, each of those books that I just mentioned would cost you $5.99 in Amazon for the Kindle copy. And I know prices in Amazon fluctuates, but that's the price uh, that I see today. Now, if you're going to get the four books that I mentioned from Amazon, you're going to be looking at $24 uh, plus change. All right. Now, if you were to get it from Logos in the month of April because of the of the promotion of the discount period for April you're going to get all those four books okay so you're going to get the Genesis 1 to 11 by Drew Johnson you're going to get the Habakkuk by Heath Thomas uh, Daniel by Barbara Lai and uh, Hebrews by Andrew Koenig so you're going to get all four of these four books for $7 and minus a few cents so you can on one hand you have $24 on one hand you get for $7 so I got it all for $7. Four books for $7. I think it's still, I think it's uh, very good. In fact, I would say that uh, this uh, book, Universal Studio, uh, Universal Studio, Universal Story by Drew Johnson is worth the full price. It's really an enjoyable read and it's very uh, insightful and edifying. So if you want to get those books, I suggest you get them in April. But if not, uh, it's still worth uh, looking into. Now, before I... Finish uh, my review. Just want to mention that uh, I looked at the final chapter where there is this uh, further reading, reading recommendations, and there's commentaries and academic commentaries. And under academic commentaries, I see Gordon Wenham's Word Biblical Commentary. Guess what? That's the book I picked up so many years ago in my church library that is the book that i that made me nearly give up on commentaries because it was just too difficult for me to understand but it's not that it was a bad book it was just a book that was too advanced for me at that time so this, this is why i appreciate books like universal story by drew johnson because it makes it so much more accessible it makes it easy and the and we understand that It doesn't take a scholar or professor or theologian to really understand what the Bible says. You can explain things in a way that people understand and you can not just understand from a cognitive, like I know something new, but more of how it helps you grow as a Christian. Like I said, which voice are you listening to today? maybe you put too much emphasis on what is authoritative, not realizing that what is authoritative may not be the right voice to listen to. So I think that's a very interesting way of looking at our Christian life. So this book is uh, its very good, I find. It is a uh, few things going for it. It's very accessible. It asks good questions and it packs a punch in 128 pages alright it's like a featherweight uh, really doing uh, uh, knocking down a weights 128 pages and it's really a good read so I thoroughly recommend it this is a reading and readers review of Universal Story Genesis 1-11 by Dr. Drew Johnson Before you go I want to tell you another Universal Story And this is the universal appeal that all podcasters everywhere has asked for since the genesis, the beginning of podcasting. And that appeal is this. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, review or visit the website. The website for this podcast is readingandreaders.com. And I just want to say that this episode, episode 5, concludes the five reviews for the launch of this Reading and Readers podcast. The next episode, episode 6, will not be a book review. It will be a behind-the-scenes episode on how Reading and Readers came to be. It's uh, genesis, so to speak, and uh, how it works and where this podcast is heading. So if you're interested in that, uh, check out the next episode. So thank you very much for listening.